Well, let's talk to a doctor. He's uh, he's a doctor right here in South Carolina in Spartanburg. He's a graduate of Clemson and MUSC in Charleston. He's a family practitioner for 42 years. He's um, also been in uh, working as a medical missionary, but he is also joining us right now, fighting the good fight for all of us, Dr. Robert Jackson. Good morning. Good morning, Miss Liz. How in the world are you guys today? <laughs> We're hanging in there, Dr. Jackson. You know, I had a lot of fun uh, listening to your testimonies in um, in front of uh, the legislature. And I mean fun because I heard many exchanges uh, between you and these naysayers that are questioning your, I guess, um, the the advice or uh, the way you would prescribe certain treatments for your patients, um, almost discounting them. And I just couldn't believe it. And, and what I was talking about in particular is when you were doing a testimony about how you treat your patients with ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine. How did you feel uh-huh. when having those conversations, especially with that Senator McLeod? Well, you know, they're non-medical people. And they're listening to the drivel fed to us by organizations like CDC and NIH, and, and they don't treat people. You know, they're, they're not medical people, and they don't treat patients like I do. And, you know, I had been treating patients for months with COVID. I mean, and this was the Delta variant that was way more potent than the Omicron variant or the variant that's prevalent right now. And my patients were getting well within three to five days with ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine, plus the other recommendations, vitamin C, vitamin D, and zinc. And and I hadn't lost a single patient, even though I had treated hundreds of people that were very, very ill with the Delta variant. And here was this non-medical person questioning my experience and questioning my judgment. And it, it was rather infuriating i have to admit that <laughs> so what dr jackson what is your status right now because there's no doubt that you ruffled quite a few feathers up there in spartanburg county and you were had an affiliation with the hospital i'm gathering well i'm an employee of a major hospital system and um, you know i thought my tenure there would be abbreviated because of my public stance because that hospital system adhered to the CDC protocol, um, and I figured, well, this testimony is going to make me look for another job, but for whatever reason, I'm still employed there, hmm. and and I found out later that there were multiple other physicians and PAs in that system that were prescribing ivermectin to treat COVID, so I was not alone, mm-hmm. and I guess they couldn't afford to fire 30 or 40 providers, uh-huh. so I'm still employed, and I'm Strength still treating numbers. my patients with ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and the protocol that's recommended by the frontline doctors. And my patients are all doing very well. Interesting. Now, it's it's mind-boggling to me because we often heard about the death protocol of remdesivir and um, the ventilator. And that was talked about, um, putting people on the ventilator. Uh, I know we are... Uh, far past that time period of when you gave that testimony. So what are you feeling now, looking back on that pro- protocol? Uh, you may feel differently now about the ventilator situation as you did um, back when you gave that testimony. I think that was in 2021. 
what is it? Well, it, How do you look it, upon it, was it now? A, it was a death sentence. Patients who ended up on the ventilator did very poorly. 90% of them did not survive. Uh, I had patients that went in the hospital who had comorbidities like obesity and diabetes, and I told their family members, you get ivermectin, you crush it, you put it in a juice, and you take it to your family member and you give it to them, even if the hospital doesn't know about it, and your family members will do better. For example, I'll give you one story. Wow. I had a pastor's wife who was a 300-pound woman who was diabetic, uh, and she went in the hospital with COVID, and they told her up front, in two days, you will probably be on a ventilator, and scared her to death. I told her daughter, you get this ivermectin, you crush it, put it in a juice box or whatever, and you give it to your mom, and she will do better. Well, in four days, she was discharged from the hospital. Hmm. A nurse who admitted her on the first day got very attached to this woman emotionally. She was off duty for three days, and on the fourth day, she came in fully expecting this woman to be on the ventilator. And in fact, she was being discharged that day. Hmm. And the lady, the nurse looked at her and says, what happened to you? And the, the, the pastor's wife looked at her and said, whispered, my daughter brought me ivermectin. Mm. And this nurse exploded into tears and wow. told her, quite honestly, I fully expected you to be on a ventilator. And you see, that was the experience of the employees of the hospital, that patient, patients with comorbidities who came in with that Delta variant inevitably went on the ventilator. But my patients, if I got a hold of their family members, I put them on ivermectin surreptitiously, and they did well. So, Dr. Jackson, as a person here that has knows somebody who lost a family member to the death protocol, um, it infuriates me that, let's say, that nurse now knows that ivermectin clearly works. It's been so many documented cases of, just in your practice alone. How can people continue to deny their patients this drug? It's fear. People are living in cowardly fear. They value their jobs over truth, Mm -hmm. and they value their jobs over treating patients properly, physicians and nurses and hospital administrators. And it just infuriates me, and it breaks my heart. I'm just that there are people there who the truth is slapping them in the face every day and they're unwilling to speak up, they're unwilling to protest, and they're unwilling to begin treating patients properly because they're afraid that they're going to look. Look, 75, 80% of physicians in this state are employed by hospital systems Mm -hmm. that adhere to the CDC protocol. And the hospital systems are held hostage because if they don't adhere to the protocol, they lose their federal funding, which is 50% of their budgets. Yeah. And that's blackmail by the federal government. Yeah. This is the problem with health care. We let the federal government in. That, that's right. Yeah. And that's true of education. That's true of yeah. medical yeah. care. That's yeah. true of everything. In our, they, they hold us hostage by federal dollars. And our states need mm-hmm. to cut loose that umbilical cord to the federal government. 
Absolutely. And we, uh, you know, that is, that I think is a really big deal. Um, you know, we talk about China always having uh, strings attached when they loan money to other go- other countries to rebuild yep. like they're doing yep. with Ukraine. And yet we do the same thing here. You know, yep. we take money from the federal government and has all these stipulations and then we comply. Right. But the people exactly right. the people have had enough. Now, we just heard uh, just before we got on the air with you that the VA is now requiring masks uh, to be worn. Yes, that masks are worthless. You know, wearing a <laughs> mask is like trying to stop a mosquito with a chain link fence. Yeah. The, the virus is so small that, that even double masking does not stop that virus from getting into your system. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's foolishness. It's worthless. It's just virtue signaling for for Mm -hmm. people who wear a mask. Well, I have a different perspective. I think they want people who are really, really vulnerable to get sick and die. Because that's what you're doing when you tell someone who is very vulnerable to, um, you know, having severe complications with COVID, telling them, don't worry, just go out with a mask. You'll be fine. I mean, it's a lie. I don't know why they're doing it. It's fine. It's not truthful. It's not truthful at all. And it's a measure of, of a way of controlling people. But it also instills fear. Fear is a way of controlling people. And I still have patients two years later who will not leave their homes. They will not go shopping. They won't go to church because they're afraid of getting this virus. Hmm. And it's just a, a fear controls people. And now we heard that there are these KF94 masks that have these chemical compounds. So when you open them, you're supposed to let them air out for a half an hour before you put them on your face. Otherwise, you're breathing in all those toxic VOCs. Right. Noxious chemicals. Mm-hmm. I, it's just uh, it's really crazy. Now, I wanted to ask about long COVID and vaccine injury. Are you finding that people think they have long COVID, but what they actually have is a vaccine injury? Well, there's a lot of overlap, Miss Liz, because a lot of my patients have had the vaccine, which was not effective. Then they got COVID, and they're having these symptoms of brain fog, mm. cough, muscle weakness, and fatigue. And they don't know if it came from the vaccine or from having COVID. And Mm -hmm. and quite honestly, I can't tell the difference because the symptoms overlap. Mm. The interesting thing, though, is this, is that both, whether it's post-vaccine injury or COVID long haul, are easily treatable. But the patients have to find a COVID literate medical doctor Mm -hmm. who has studied and trained themselves in how to treat vaccine injury or COVID long haul. And sadly, those doctors are few and far between. Well, we um, you were actually referred to me um, by Dr. Salibi of Carolina Holistic Medicine. So people on this end of the state um, could reach out to him. And you're up in Spartanburg. He's a COVID literate medical doctor. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He knows how to treat COVID long haul, as does his staff. Yeah. And, and, And here's the thing. Ivermectin treats COVID long haul and post-vaccine injury. So does low-dose naltrexone. Your listeners know naltrexone is, is Narcan that we people spray up their nose for opiate overdose. But low-dose naltrexone is very anti-inflammatory, as is ivermectin, and it treats the, the inflammation caused by the spike protein subunit, the S1 subunit in the spike protein. And it's very effective at treating the inflammation 
caused by COVID long haul or uh, the the vaccine itself. In, in your experience, uh, how long does it take for that to kick in? And and the everybody, reason. Everybody, go ahead. No, everybody's different. Everybody's different. Okay. Two two to four weeks. A lot of my patients will be dramatically better, even if they've had symptoms for over a year. Really. But then I have others that take two to three months. Mm-hmm. The frontline doctors recommend being treated two to three months before you start tapering off the medication. Okay. So, and you also, with the ivermectin, what is the dosage you're usually recommending? And also, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, what about patients that may not have any, they never got the vaccine, they are just not feeling right, it might be COVID long haul, it might not, but they have very high antibody count, like 6,000, 8,000. Well, you know, if see, part of my responsibility is to rule out other causes. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to make sure there's not something else going on that's causing their symptoms. Okay. But once you've done that, then you're left with COVID long haul or post-vaccine injury. And the the dose of ivermectin is weight-based. It's 0.2, um, 0.2 to 0.6 milligrams per kilogram. and and, you know, people find that hard to remember, so they can go to the flccc.net website, and they'll see all those numbers mm-hmm. there for them to look at and, and calculate based on their weight. Um, and then, of course, the, the naltrexone, and, and really both of these medications need to be obtained from a compounding pharmacy, yes, yeah. which is why you need to find a COVID literate MD to prescribe it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, full disclosure, you know, I've been, Dr. Salibi is my uh, physician. I'm on 30 milligrams of ivermectin and 4.5 of LDN at this point. And, um, you know, I was having a lot of shortness of breath. And in fact, right, right. Um, uh, that has definitely subsided greatly. I mean, I don't have it anymore. I'm back to the gym and all that. Um, but I did have someone text in on the text line listening to you, Dr. Jackson, and he said, I did not get the jab, but I did have COVID. Um, since then, I just get out of breath more easily. Can you right. ask the doctor about this? Yep. I have a lot of patients who've had COVID, and they come in and tell me that they're short of breath. That's me. They're easily fatigued, Mm -hmm. and and even minor exertion causes them to be tired for days sometimes. And the ivermectin and the low-dose naltrexone work perfectly well for those folks. For example, I had a a patient who came to see me who was a, a legal secretary, and she'd been bedridden for like 10 months, unable to, wow. to, to walk her dog, cook meals, or go to work. And I put her on the ivermectin, low-dose naltrexone, plus resveratrol, quercetin, combo pill, and melatonin, because all of those are anti-inflammatory. Within two weeks, she was back at work, back cooking meals at home, walking mm-hmm. her dog, yeah. doing everything that she'd ever done before. And she was astounded as Mm -hmm. was her husband and her employer. And, you know, not everybody has that remarkable recovery, Mm -hmm. but a lot of my patients do. It's dramatic sometimes how quickly people recover. I did. I did. Because (laughs) I'll tell you, I mean, I went through a whole battery of heart and lung, you know, just like you said, you have to do your due due diligence as a doctor to make sure it's not something else. 
And then you come to that conclusion and he treated me with these, these medications. And then we, you know, we, and, and sure enough, they did work. I mean, I'm back to the gym. I'm back exercising and dancing and doing all the things I used to do because I couldn't breathe. It was like someone was sitting on my diaphragm. Um, it's a real thing. Came to see me, Liz, who couldn't talk. He coughed so hard and so much that he couldn't conduct his business wow. because of constant coughing. Mm-hmm. And I put him on the ivermectin and a couple of other items. And within two weeks, he was no longer coughing. and He was back at work managing his commercial plumbing business. Mm-hmm. And man, was he so grateful. But he had been to two other doctors who told him the same thing. You just got to tough it out and it'll get better eventually. And that's not true. It doesn't get better eventually. That's right. But it is treatable mm-hmm. if you know how to treat it. So, Dr. Jackson, we're getting a lot of people asking, how do we? How do they get in touch with you? I'm not sure if you're taking patients now. Up Un- in- unfortunately, I'm not. I-, I wish I were, but I'm mm-hmm. flooded. I- my-, my practice is flooded with patients, yep. and many of them are COVID long-haul patients. Mm-hmm. And I'm-, I'm just not able to take new patients right now, and I wish I were. Uh, but I will say this. I'm working with some other doctors to create mm-hmm. a network of physicians around the state who are freedom fighters and COVID literate doctors and tell everybody just to, to pray for us. And uh, yes. uh, uh, we'll very soon probably be publishing that information of a network of doctors around mm-hmm. the state yeah. who are, are freedom fighters and COVID literate. And that that'll be sooner than you think. Well, just one more thing before you go. Um, you know, I mean, the question is, what's coming down the pike for us now? Are you concerned with this new talk about masks and new vaccines and all that? What? How are you preparing? I, I'm always concerned because I think our, our government and the global elites are always trying to find a way to gain more and more control over our lives. I don't think the variant that's going around right now is very serious. Uh, my patients are usually, uh, many of them get over it by themselves in three to four or five days. Um, I've been treating it mostly with hydroxychloroquine, and my patients are, are well in three or four days when I do that. Um, but my concern is that the powers that be are going to use this variant, if, if we allow them to, put it that way, to clamp down on our freedoms. And listen, tell your listeners, do not comply. Yeah. Do not allow the school systems, the medical mm-hmm. systems, yeah. the state governments to clamp down on our freedoms like they did with the Delta variant. We should not allow that to happen. We're Americans. Mm-hmm. And we're medical freedom people. We do not allow tyranny to control our lives and our Amen. freedoms, to close our businesses, to close our churches. That's just not the American way. Well, thank and you. We should not with that. Thank you so much for standing up for us. Dr. Robert Jackson of Spartanburg, thank you and be well, sir. Thank you, Miss Liz. I appreciate your time and God bless you. Thank you. God bless.